Hello, and welcome to the Life's Difficult Podcast, a podcast where we discuss the many challenging aspects of modern life and how we attempt to navigate them. I'm Milos, and as always, I'm joined by Mikhail here. How's it going, man? Uh, not too bad, and as we discussed last time, not too bad is just going to be my default answer from now on. It's, it's the all-encompassing it can it can actually mean that I'm doing pretty good. It can also mean that I'm just not doing terribly, and you know that's all I want to get across. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever watched Letterkenny? I have not. What's that? They, it's it's a show about like uh, like Canadian hillbillies kind of thing, and they have a thing where they're like uh, I forget what they say like How are you now? And they they always have like this like it's almost like they they've taken it to like a a crazy point where they always say like How are you now? Good and you. And that's like always what they say. It's like they, they say that like thick, like super like Canadian accent. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should just start doing that as like a. But it also gets you thinking, right? Like, what are they saying there? Is it is is are they getting the same thing across where it's like just not bad, or, or are they trying to say more with you know answering that question? Who knows? Yeah, this is, this is definitely another case of me thinking too deeply about something that doesn't require it because everybody knows when somebody else says fine doesn't really mean anything. It's actually almost entirely value neutral and it's just us going through this politeness not charade but you know what i mean like it, it, it's literally it's a nicety yeah it's just a it. nicety there uh, to, to check a box of like okay we've we've done the basic <laughs> we've shown the basic <laughs> level of human con- the bare minimum level of human concern before we continue on yeah no, that's, uh, that's um, definitely so. Something. Having shown that to each other now, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the uh, episode episode topic of the day, which is uh, finding happiness, and I think uh, the troubles people have uh, getting there. Um, I guess where I would like to start is the usefulness as of happiness as, as, as any kind of objective in the first place. And I just mean this in the sense of um, there are many endpoints that that uh, I think are much more valuable, whether it's a sense of fulfillment or self-actualization or contentment, whatever it might be. Is happiness something really to be chased, in your opinion? Is, is, some, is, is that something where you... Uh, I, I guess t- 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 taking taking a, a a bigger picture point of view, like when you're evaluating your life, are you thinking in terms of happiness, or are you more thinking in terms of more concrete objectives, or or a sense of self fulfillment? Like what what is it that that you're looking at there? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I think it's been a long time since I've actually thought about like happiness, but I think, I think ironically part of that is because I've been pretty damn happy recently, Mm. um, with life. I think it's such a weird thing. It's like, I think in some ways, you know, people don't notice happiness until there's an absence of it. And then they're like, I'm unhappy. I don't like this. But then it's also like, we're kind of programmed to find the stuff that sucks in life. So happiness as a goal is difficult Um, but when I do think of the value of happiness, one thing that comes to mind is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, the, the, the field of study of like positive psychology. Mm. So it's like, it's like this whole study. It's basically some, a couple of social scientists or actually, I don't know what they are. I I guess there's some of them are psychologists, some of them are social scientists, stuff like that. They came together with the idea that like, you know, we spent so much time studying 
negative psychological states why don't we study positive ones and it's like they did all these studies this stuff was huge back in i want to say the mid 2010s early 2010s they published a ton of books and then i stopped reading them so they might have published more books since then i just haven't been okay. i don't read pop psychology like i used to mm -hmm. but uh yeah there's like one book in particular i'm thinking of like sean acor the happiness advantage and um there's a couple other people in this field and basically what they came down to what what, what they did research on and found was surprise surprise people who claim to be happier in life tend to be more successful better relationships better sleep better physical like just across the board better at everything so um i mean from that perspective i've always looked at happiness as something worthy of uh seeking maybe not as a maybe not as a first order thing because like i think that's what we're going to discuss here is like the concept of chasing happiness is a little bit kind of like uh kind of like chasing money right like money should be a byproduct of chasing something else the same way i think happiness should be a byproduct of chasing something else it shouldn't it's not an end in and of itself because it's the same way just like getting more money isn't it's it has no value unless it's actually coming from something that is providing value. I, I, I kind of, I, I, I agree with you, kind of, I disagree with the money thing, because I think, I think, the only the reason why I disagree with you, because I think chasing money is good up to a certain point. I think beyond a certain point, I agree with you. But I think <laughs> when you don't got like basic money down and you, you know, you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your stuff, then I think it's totally fine to chase money. But beyond a certain point, I definitely agree with you. Beyond a certain point, chasing money or happiness, beyond a certain baseline, I think, is a, a nebulous thing. It becomes kind of like, like, what are you even after? Mm -hmm. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. So I really, I agree with you. I just think with the money... It's almost like these things are needed up until the point that they cover the bases of exactly. life. And then you have to reflect on whether past that point they're actually providing much value. As, um, as, as, a, as a North Star, as something that you pursue. Yeah, I, I mean... Money until it covers your bases is still not a lot of money to do, yeah. right? So, yeah, m money past that for certain indulgences in life is obviously still is still valuable, but it's it's an excess as opposed to that bullseye of life. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm 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 just gonna present like a slight variation of a common thought experiment of like if you could be plugged into the happiness machine. Now, that doesn't mean that you're you're not being plugged into the matrix here. It's literally, you sit in a chair, let's say some, to put some probes on you and, and you just, you lube up and <laughs> do what comes naturally. No, but like, you just, it's just a pleasure, uh, uh, not a pleasure machine. That's the, that's the more common thought experiment, but like. <laughs> that's my brain. <laughs> but that, 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 that is a thought experiment, but like a happiness machine of yeah. just like, you feel pure joy, pure, you know, happiness in, in its most, you know, untainted form, mm -hmm. but that's it. You're just plugged in. Yeah. Would you take that for your life? Uh, do you want to answer this first or should I? Well, I'll just say I think most people lean hard towards no. Yeah. My, my first my first thought is not really. Right. And so that's that's where, that's a good way to illustrate that happiness is not nece necessarily something in and of itself that, that's really enriching and sustaining it's only yeah. really works within context of other things but that feels that that example feels a lot like drugs it feels like i, I just feel like you just <laughs> offered me to sit down and take molly with no side effects like 
<laughs> in a way, which is not like completely the same, but you know what I mean? It's like, you'll just feel happy and so ecstatic. Um, well, so I'm just using that to try to hone in on what really is important and why happiness isn't quite that thing. So it's mm-hmm. like, I really think the, the, that thing that, that, that should be chased is something more like a sense of fulfillment or contentment, something that is like much more, uh, long lasting Mm-hmm. Be- because that's the other thing like all th- the other thing with happiness is it can't just endlessly sustain itself like i, I mean I- i'm sure some people are just predisposed towards happiness and they're lucky but for the rest of us uh happiness is, is a typically a transient state and so trying to chase happiness is also a bit of a dead end it's an emotional dead end and whereas like feeling content with what you're doing is is not a dead end because it's something you can keep whatever whatever it is let's say it's just you feel content let's say for me I'll just use myself when I'm writing and feel productive with my writing and it's it's getting some some uh, traction I'll feel fairly content and I can keep going back to that well yeah. even if I'm not necessarily actively <laughs> feeling happy while doing it because it's it's a there's a distinction there because like um, writing often isn't making me smile. Sometimes it can take you to like uncomfortable places, for example, mm-hmm. but I'm content doing it. And so I think that's much more towards the direction of like, if you keep doing things that make you content, I think you'll feel a fair bit of happiness along the way, which is good. But that's that's not the center of the bullseye. It's just kind yeah. of, of uh, again, it's it's a useful bright happiness is is a is a useful byproduct it's, it's such a tough thing too because it's like when was the last time you in your life legitimately like stopped yourself and thought hmm i feel happy right now like it's it's almost it's such a funny thing because it's like you would never describe <laughs> like if if i ever asked somebody how you're doing they're like i'm happy i'd be like that guy's on drugs <laughs> he's on drugs there's there's a drug in like something so <laughs> I'm just, think about it, think, imagine you, you're talking to somebody, you're like, hi, how do you feel right now? They're like, I'm happy. You're like, mm, something's wrong with this person. So it's almost funny from a, like a semantic point of view that it's like, we all want to be happy, but then like you almost never use the term, I'm happy to describe a state that you're going through. Well, you might say you're feeling good. Well, I'll go one step further and this may just probably say something about me, but when I see somebody who's just too effusive and happy and sparkling almost in like Mm -hmm. what they're giving off i'm very very distrustful and 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 (laughs) and i I find them very suspect or i think there's in somehow deficient intellectually or something where what what, again there's like enthusiastic kind of happiness a little bit of bubbliness that's not Mm -hmm. what i'm talking about that that's great and yeah i'm happy for those people and i find them a joy to be around but there's a person who's just like every fiber of their being is trying to emote happiness and be, being all like this glittery human being. Um, glittery is not quite the right word, but I think you know what I mean. It's, it's that sort of person is suspect because that's not possible. And I feel like they're trying so hard to give out something that's either insincere or if they really are that way, yeah, they're, they're on, they're, they're on some really good drugs and, and, uh, or, or, or again, like they're just not 
it's almost like they're not really properly contending with life because if you do mm -hmm. i just don't think that's possible so here's an interesting question when you've experienced that from people did you feel that they were in, insincere did you feel an insincerity from that when it, you met people? it depended on the person there are people where i've thought like yeah this is an act and then there are other people where i just thought like um you're very kind of uncritically viewing people in the world good for you i suppose but that's not the that's not my sort of person because mm -hmm. I, I that's that's very un, uninteresting and mm -hmm. uh that's not to say uh then somebody who would be, be like um relentlessly pessimistic is my sort of person i'm just saying you just have to stop short of like that that outright like happiness is everything sort of attitude because that's Th uh, that's ridiculous. You're a ridiculous person in my eyes. Yeah, I, I know where you come from, but you know what's funny? Now that we're having this conversation, it made me think of a supply teacher that we had in my school back when I was in grade seven and eight. A what teacher? School. A supply teacher. Uh, um, substitute. Substitute teacher. Did, yeah. they, they used to call him supply teacher, or did I just make that up? It's a sub substitute teacher, right? Uh, yeah, I might have, it's been a long time since I've been to high school, man, or middle school, or any school, really. Um, and anyway, you've taken a lot of drugs since then. Exactly. The brain is not what it used to be. Yeah. Happier, though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, there was this one teacher. Her name was Miss McClooney. And she was the happiest, nicest little lady of, like, we were mean to substitute teachers. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like a known thing. Every time, and I think it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a North American thing. But those, 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 like, after school special movies where, like, a, a substitute teacher comes in and they're kind of like... Yeah standoffish they don't know what to do like that's real we were douchey to some of the substitutes just because we could because there's a huge power imbalance for it's, sure it's a lot harder for them to tell the kids you know do this or be mean or whatever and so we weren't good kids but then this i still remember this this substitute teacher because she was so kind so nice and maybe it was kindness but the kindness you could see that the kindness came from a place that she was like deeply happy inside. Mm -hmm. I remember student, like I was a shit disturber. I was not a good student, but I would behave a lot of the time out of respect for people. If I saw they were going, like I was, I, I tended to be a little bit nicer to substitute teachers because I knew that they were coming into like an unfair place. Yeah. But if they, but if, if they got uppity with us, then I was like, let's do it. Let's go in. Like, let's lie about it. <laughs> like we would, we would, you know, lie about attendance. They'd like ask for like a girl's name and I'd say, oh, that's me. Yeah. And they'd be like, uh, okay. And then they'd feel weird, but you know, like stupid mm -hmm. things like that. Like we were kids. Um, but I still remember this lady because she was so happy, so kind. So like, like exactly like you described, like a person who's absolutely like radiating positivity that we couldn't like we can we can be mean to her mm -hmm, we had mm -hmm. to be nice to her and like she brought out the best in us so there is and i asked about the sincerity of the people that you've seen like that because with her there was no there wasn't an there wasn't even like the slightest like speck of me that thought that she was being insincere the way that she was yeah so i i do think there are some people out there who are just like incredibly happy but to that point it might be because I only engaged with her during our class yeah. and it's pot. I mean, she was, she was an old lady, right? So maybe it's possible that like, and she was a substitute teacher. So she only taught sometimes. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was the fact that her coming in was such a joy to her where she brought in this energy for like what we had her for like 90 minutes at a time, I think. Yeah. So number one, I, I don't want to discount, uh, the possibility of unicorns. So mm -hmm. yeah, she could have just been 
a unicorn in that sense. But also, yeah, I, I, I get the sense that people can bring in really, really good energies in like certain pockets of their life. And this is kind of true of everybody, right? Like think of yourself on a night out and you're buzzing and you're meeting people and you're just really radiating a good vibe. So that could have been her, you know, not night out, but like her mm. outing and she's around younger people and she she wants to, you know, she, she wants to create a good environment for the kids. So uh, that makes a whole bunch of sense uh, to me. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, good good for that lady. I think that's awesome. She's great. Yeah. Um, okay, so going from that is, um, despite kind of establishing that happiness is, is, is not the end goal of necessarily like the best life, there's still ways to make yourself happier. And I do think they're worth, uh, uh, pointing out because they are important. Even like, like you said, it might not be a first order goal, but it is, it's still valuable. Um, so the first thing is just that gratitude leads to happiness. Um, cause there've been studies on this in terms of different, uh, nations and their happiness levels. Mm-hmm. And I, from what I understand, it's nations that have cultures of gratitude of just like being happy for the little things in life or whatever it might be tend to be much happier. I think this was true. Um, again, this is worth double checking. So people should do so. I'm not going to do so. False right. news. I'm Mikhail not going to do so news. now. Be but, careful. But it, Misinformation it, incoming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> just just double check. Uh, it's, it's that I think like Latin American or just generally in South America, uh, those sort of people t- typically have a much higher like level of gratitude for life, uh, which, which I think sort of makes, makes sense to me that tend to be people who have a more greater zest for, for, for living. And yeah, they're much happier as a result. So taking that perspective goes a long way of, of just remembering the things you do have in your life, no matter all the things that are going wrong. Just, I think any of us who are, you know, let's say in a Western country and have loving parents or good friends or like anything, right? Like just, what whatever kind of basic thing um that we have it's still if you compare it to number one most of human history and to mm-hmm. much of the rest of the world right it's you're it, let, let's just like take off some basics right and, and, I'm, and i'm not saying that everybody has this but simply having like a two-parent household that's enormous that's something to be enormously grateful for parents that are still together parents that are loving towards you uh same thing goes with siblings or like properly like good friends loyal friends um hell just not being disabled some way whether it's mentally or physically all of these things are huge 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 advantages that you've been given and you should be incredibly grateful for when you're feeling a bit down on things. Just re- remember, like, what a what a huge advantage you're at just having these basic, basic things. So uh, I think there's something there. And I think, like, y- you tend to be a happier person than me. And I think there's an aspect of your personality that feels a much greater level of excitement uh, for, uh, for what's to come. And I think part of that is gratitude for where you're at in life gratitude for um 
just you know even living in this country it's, and whatever it's actually it's... a lot of drugs yeah no i'm kidding well no. so <laughs> that, that, that that's 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 point two that, that's point two or three or it's just the rest of the points <laughs> but uh i think you hit the nail on the head there I, I think the other thing to notice too is like this might not be the, the right way to look at it but i can't help but feel like this is also part of it in that if you're grateful for stuff that's one less thing you have to complain about Mm. I've I've noticed this with some people, uh, especially in past relationships that I've been in with people where it's like when you when you get to know somebody intimately and, and you're with someone, you start to see how it's like there's things that I can't see in myself. I've been a miserable like I've been a miserable person before in my past. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the people around me noticed how even when I'd get the things I'd want, I'd still find reasons to be miserable. And I think that is a problem that a lot of us have with not understanding how our constant complaints, mm-hmm. how constantly complaining can actually make one unhappy. Gratitude is a way of, in my eyes, gratitude is like you just go ahead and you reduce your number of complaints, yeah. at least in the sense that when you're feeling gratitude or when you're grateful for something, you're not complaining about it mm-hmm. in a weird way. And I feel like I feel like that's like the thing is like we don't realize like, because again, like in previous, I, when you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, you get to see like the whole picture. And I can remember intimate relationships that I've had in the past where, you know, the girl I'm with says, I want this thing. And it's like, all right, I'm the man. It's my job. Let me go get this thing. Yeah. We got the thing. And within two, three days, there's something else missing. There's something else missing. And, and, and there's more to complain about. And you start to realize like, damn, like, yeah, it's a posture as opposed to actually something they need. Exactly. Not even a posture, but it's, it's, it's like a syndrome. It's like, it's like, it's like this person is so focused on complaining and what's wrong yeah. And outside of understanding gratitude or outside of being willing to ex- experience gratitude and engage with it, that it becomes this thing where it's like, yeah, you're going to like, it, there's going to be a lack of happiness there because you're focusing specifically on what makes you unhappy. Yeah. So the whole gratitude thing, like even, even if you don't have some of the stuff that you mentioned, because I mean, I think there's something to be said, like, okay, what if I don't have parents who are still together? What if I don't have, what if I am sick right now? What if I'm whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's still like, and, 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 you know, there, there can be, I'm sure, I mean, I've never really been in positions where this was a thing, thankfully, but I'm sure that if you're in a position where, you know, life is really hard for you because one of those things isn't working for someone to just tell you, well, just be grateful for something. is kind of like, it, it's like the worst mm, advice yeah. you could ever get. Like mm-hmm. I, the only thing that I can think of is like when I went to Thailand one year, I wrecked my knee. I like can opened it. It was a really bad injury. And I was walking with crutches and you know. Uh, but I mean, even then people would be like, well, at least you're still in Thailand. And I was like, yeah, you're right. At least I still am. So I liked it. But then, you know, you can think of people with much worse conditions or things that are not like that. I was going to heal from that anyway. That was not a problem. But mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're a child of divorce, you know, somebody could be like, well, at least both your parents still talk to you or something. And that can feel really like shallow and low. And like, you know, it, all I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you've been through some terrible things or, or, or if your life isn't exactly, you know, doesn't have some of those things that you mentioned that would be considered neatly perfect. There's still opportunities just to not look for things to complain about and just be grateful for whatever else you have. Yeah, it, again, like, um, this is why in this podcast we're not talking to some specific person because that is when it can feel um, very shallow. If, if, mm-hmm. if I point out to a specific person, let's say he's just lost his parents and i'm like yeah well <laughs> at least you've got whatever your brother it's like that 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 just comes off uh terrible ter- yeah it's just terrible uh but 
I'm generally saying for that person themselves need people themselves need to find whatever there is to be grateful for. It's up to them to decide what it is. Yeah. Not for other people to beat them over the head with it and, and yeah, you know, like yeah, it's, this is this is not. Uh, um, this is not even trying to make add some moral component of it of just like oh well you should be grateful that's not what I'm talking about mm-hmm. I'm just saying how 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 can you find happiness this is one one conduit to happiness that's yeah. all um, and the, uh, funnily enough when you're talking about like certain people you've known um, who who are just constantly looking for that next thing and can't be happy with what they have. It also reminded me of uh, from the travel podcast about like those people in the bus where, you know, <laughs> everything is great, but oh no, the bus doesn't have air conditioning. So now we're going to moan the whole trip. And it's, it's like, it is very much just a way of being for certain people. Like mm-hmm. you, you've, you've, tr- you're traveling and you're, brothers together traveling and then you've met somebody else who's you could be friendly like everything is going right in your life but air no air conditioning for a few hours is just Mm -hmm. ruined your your day or your trip and it's just that's so so absurd but people find that's the thing people find ways to get in their own way and that's essentially i think what we're warning of most of not getting in your own way i think just to just to jump on that for a quick second i've heard I don't know if there's a book. This feels like there's got to be a book with this title that I may have known before, but the concept of happiness being a habit is it kind of spurs off from that because mm. it's like, you know, I don't think happy, and this is the weird thing. It's like, I don't think that happiness is a habit. It's not like you actively do things to be more happy. I think that you actively do things to be unhappy. Like you complain mm. about everything. You expect everything to be exactly to some, you know, you go to a third world, not a third world country, but you go to a country that's, definitely that you know where the gdp is like a quarter of your country's gdp and you expect things to be to the exact same western standard that you came from like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no it's not gonna be like that you're going to another part of the world where you know there's a lot less money there's a lot less investment in certain things you know like you have to understand so but if you go there with a attitude of complaining oh you're gonna be unhappy you'll find ways Mm -hmm. you know and so having um Having addressed that uh, that point in terms of like uh, finding ways to be happy or at least less unhappy by by not being in your way as much, I would say another one um, another way of finding again not necessarily I'm noticing now that a lot of these points are a little bit less about necessarily finding happiness and more mm. about avoiding unhappiness is using you know hypotheticals or counterfactual conditionals uh that are much worse than the situation you're in and thinking how plausible they could be so like one of them is i don't know you're driving a car and you feel like a moment of road rage or something like that and you're just so so angry or maybe you're sitting in traffic and you're so so frustrated whatever it might be and you just remind yourself how possible it is that in in a moment of stupidity or in a moment of frustration or whatever, you can end up in a car crash or, you, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be so contextual there. You could get a call and find out that, um, your child has just gotten cancer or whatever, whatever it might be. There's so many awful things that can just come around the corner for you and are 
coming around the corner for so many millions of people every day. Just put yourself in the shoes of somebody who who is in that position and just calm the hell down, right? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 one of those things of like just resetting your perspective and remembering I, I suppose in some sense this does go back to gratitude because then you're grateful, I guess, for not being in that position of uh, that hypothetical position. But yeah, placing yourself in in negative but realistic. Obviously, it can be absurd um, that just like your house collapses and everybody dies. That's silly. But like real things of car crashes or cancer, all all the stuff that can completely positively happen and happen any day to you. Just remember that and then feel happy that like that's all all that's happening is that you're stuck in traffic or all that's happening is another person was an idiot on the road, but you're safe or whatever else it might be. And that can really, I think, help ground you. Now, you don't want to go back to the well a thousand times over, but just all these things just should be sprinkled in, right? Like they're all little tools to just help like steady out your life. That is a dark tool. That's the darkest tool for happiness I've ever heard. But I, I think you're right. I think it's it's... I mean, you can even simplify it to just being like, yo, I'm alive. Like, no, but like the thing is, it's not about it being a dark tool. It's, it should be like a grounding tool because turning away from the realities of life, mm-hmm. um, th- that, that, that doesn't help anybody because the reality will, will come and smack you in the face. So I, would, yeah. I think this is just a way of just gratitude, gratitude grounded in this very real possibilities of things going south. That doesn't mean you need to see death around every corner. That's not what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. saying in terms of just almost having humility in the face of life is, is the way I'd put yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's a sense of perspective. I get where you're coming from. I, I, I don't actually think that it's too dark, but I didn't, I do think that it's something that I think, um, it takes, it takes kind of a willingness to go through that per like to actually, Cause people don't even want to feel. People don't want to think about that stuff. I don't want to think. You know what I mean? I think I, I definitely think mm-hmm. there's some there, um, and just and, and I think sometimes life even shows you that you didn't realize that. Like I can remember times when like, you know. Exactly like you said. Like I can remember times when when someone was, you know, cut me off and 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 I mean this is a much smaller experience, but I can remember, I think it was like a year ago. Someone cut me off and I really wanted to like speed up behind them and I was kind of keeping track of them. Yeah. And then I saw them get pulled over by the cops. <laughs> I mean, that's a minor thing, obviously. It's no big deal. But yeah. um, we were both speeding, but that person was just swerving through lanes a little bit more than I was. Um, but, you know, even just little things like that where it's like, yeah, you, you, you see it sometimes in real life where, you know, I don't know, you, you, you find reasons to be happy because if you it, it, things could have gone worse for you. You know, I think that's it. It's like it could be worse. Yeah, and it could always be worse short of... Death. the very worst possibility yeah. right it's it could always be worse and so yeah um uh, again i mean you you have to calibrate depending on you right if mm-hmm. <laughs> if look if d- d- taking like too too drastic a uh, hypothetical is going to give you constant anxiety then obviously don't do it i'm just for me i'm i feel i'm always quite aware of things going south anyway mm-hmm. so why not utilize it in a in a positive way versus just yeah you know um just it being negative thoughts um, yeah. um I, and then um i think my final piece of advice here and i think probably the one that i think is actually most useful of all of these is is 
um, remembering that in, to some degree, I'm, I'm not saying t totally so, but to some degree, s making happiness something that comes from external sources um, can be something of a futile endeavor in terms of a constant source of happiness. Um, and you're actually much, you're much better off kind of examining yourself or your sense of self and then inspecting why you're unhappy or whatever negative emotion that's arising. And it's, it's, I, I think a lot of this goes back to, you know, something like mindfulness med meditation where you're noticing what is arising in consciousness and, and then observing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I, I really think one of the most catastrophic things a person can do is become um, identical to their thoughts and emotions, right? Like, it, it's, it's one of those things that, like, you're in a rage and there's no distance between you and, and your anger. Like, you, at no point have you separated for even a second and, and thought, like, why am I so angry or is this useful to be angry or like, is this the right response? Is this, is this proportionate? Like any of those things, you, you are just anger. Everything that's coming out is exactly what is rising in consciousness. Mm -hmm. You're not observing what's rising. It is just coming and you're vomiting out like vicious, vicious stuff. Um, and it's, it's such a terrible way to go through life. If you, if you can create some space between um, yourself and what is coming forth from from really coming forth from nothing, right? Like you, you often have no idea what's going to spring forth in consciousness. You can obviously, you can sometimes just. I'm sure everybody's had this experience where you're sitting around, you have some time on your hands, and you, a thought comes into your mind of just like, oh, uh, I remember five years ago I had a, that argument with that guy, and then you'll have a fictional made up argument with somebody five years in the past and by the end of it you're gonna you're like enraged and, but Mikhail, and, this and you're time in you win this time you win the argument you tell them off and you tell them what's right and then <laughs> <laughs> and, and it works because you feel and good it, in the it's, anger. it's such a form of insanity because <laughs> by by the end of it your mood is ruined mm -hmm. um and then that anger will probably come out on somebody else in an act in, 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 in a fictional argument <laughs> <laughs> has made you angry enough to treat actual people in your life badly, right? So this is what I'm talking about. And when you're like, you're, you're a captive to something that's kind of out of your control because you've given yourself no space from it. It's just like things are popping out from from the nothingness that, 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 that comes forth from your into your consciousness and you're just a passenger. You've just, you're, you're in this ride of, you know, in the next moment I might feel angry and the next moment after that I might feel sad whatever whatever consciousness brings me I'm just gonna strap in and go for it and I think mm -hmm. that's that's how you become your most base animal self it's it's exactly what we should be able to transcend as human beings mm -hmm. and so again if, if you the, the I guess the, the the full the full package here would be to start doing you know mindfulness meditation every day or something like that but even if you don't go that far, um, simply being able to take a that, that that second, that moment of like the way I'm behaving, like where is this coming from? 
and creating enough space there between whatever is arisen and, and, and your observation of it that you can be like, okay, well, you know, this is useful or this is not useful. This is something I can put aside. And, and it, even better than that, just to, if, if you can really, and I think, again, this goes back to if you really get good at the meditation aspect of this, which I haven't, but I've, I've definitely... Hey, do you meditate? I, I, there have been times in the past where I've done it every day, mm-hmm. and it was useful. I don't do it every day anymore, but it's something I constantly return to, and it's a really good refresher. And I, even if I'm not actively meditating, this aspect of meditation, I use all the time. Like, mm-hmm. any time I'm feeling low, I will kind of center myself away from whatever that negative negativity is and it doesn't mean i don't still don't feel bad but at least i can create enough distance between myself and it to just say like i don't have to feel this way mm-hmm. now i'm not I'm, I'm not advanced enough in my meditation where i can just completely like be okay again but at least some separation does make you feel better where you're just like this is a especially with smaller things it's much easier because it can just be like this is ridiculous like I, it's i'm fine everything is fine yeah you know if it's a bigger thing of like you're really suffering with something it's much harder but it can even then provide at least marginal relief which is better than nothing where you can just be like yeah no i'm i'm emotionally wrecked right now but like i don't have to feel this way in so, again i i don't want to make this do like some hardcore kind of like res- take responsibility for yourself thing because that's not how I mean mean this what I'm going to say but you can almost say that like it's a choice to be unhappy here right yeah. and that, again like uh I don't I don't want that to be some sound ugly of like oh you know you you you've just found out that like you're gonna have your leg amputated, and you're like, it's a choice to be unhappy. Like, I get it. Like, oh, this is happy. time to be unhappy. This but, is time to but, life but, sucks sometimes. But I, I'm I'm simply saying it in the sense that like, you're only the master of one domain, and that's your mind. So you, you that the, the, the totality of your of your human experience, the totality of your experience on Earth, is gonna be, from seated in your mind, right? And so, try to make that place. As pleasant as possible. Be your own best friend. Treat yourself well in your own head. Mm-hmm. And a part part of, of the best way to do so is, is not to simply be a victim of what pops uh, forth. Mm-hmm. To actually really be able to have a conscious it. role in it between when something happens and what your reaction is. Yeah, yeah. It, it and 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 besides happiness, actually or unhappiness, it's also it'll lead to much less stupidity in your life mm-hmm. because you're, 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 less, uh, you're less likely to be impulsive and, you know, go on a react to road, you know, feel road rage and then react to it and then ma- make a really unfortunate decision that, that can actually stay with you for the rest of your days because there are plenty of those stories of, like, you get out, get into a fight and, you know, you're, you're he- you're, you fall, your head hits the pavement and you're brain dead, right? So... There are a lot of lot of those sort of really ugly stories of I was just angry, it was just road rage, but like you've now irrevocably irre- I mean, changed your life. I mean, from that aspect, like those are pretty badass. But I can think of also times when like I've destroyed computers in a rage. <laughs> I told you this. <laughs> I got so angry at video games. I've destroyed a couple of computers, a couple of consoles. You know, it's, just, it's the same thing. You get really angry and rageful, and then you just you you, you let it out on the machine, and then you regret it. Like literally moments later, when you're like, 
that was a very expensive piece of technology uh, I, that I think, just destroyed. I think the some of the worst uh, ones are while you're doing it, you know it's wrong, but you can't stop. Like you're so you're such you're such a victim of like this emotion propelling you forward and just the momentum of your rage is taking you so that you're like why am i saying this ugly stuff why am i breaking this computer why am i any any of these things you actually there's a part of you thinking like oh god and you're feeling equal underneath all that rage you're feeling like a sense of guilt or you're feeling a sense of like this is terrible this is so catastrophic but I'm going to keep doing it just based Personally, on Personally, I don't get that until after. I feel like if, if I had that during the rage, I'd be able to stop. But, like, I'm thinking of the times that I, like, destroyed computers. There was no part of me that was, like, feeling like, oh, this is a little bit bad. It's, like, in the moment, I'm just, like, I'm going to break this computer. And, uh, and then afterwards, the guilt and the other stuff comes in. And you start to feel like an idiot. You're, like, I just, I did. But, you know what? I feel like, honestly, as, as weird as it's going to sound, if you're going to have a fit of rage... Just break your own property. That, I think, is, like, the best thing. Because, I mean, yeah, it's stupid, and, yeah, you have to go get your own property back, but it's, like, at least you didn't hurt anybody. Might have scared, <laughs> scared the shit out of your neighbors when they heard you, but, you know, they'll get over that. <laughs> they, don't have to, they don't have to know. You know, they, they just hear loud noises and you screaming and yelling, like, violently, but, you know. So now you've got best and worst case. Best case, you know, you, you meditate, you separate yourself. Wor- worst case... Of the best case, I suppose. The worst of the best is just don't damage others. Just damage your... Yeah, just damage your own stuff. It'll make you feel better in the moment. And then, you know, it's that old thing about, like, go hit a pillow. Although, I feel like... Scream into a pillow. Screaming into a pillow might be interesting if you're mm-hmm. really angry. This just turned into a talk about rage. But uh, I, I've always felt like the, the concept of hitting a pillow is just, like, that's the worst way to get out any sort of anger. Mm. It's too yielding. Nothing breaks. Nothing like you... Like, I feel like when you're angry, you need to hit something hard you want to cause damage exactly and a pillow is like the exact opposite i feel like sometimes if somebody tells you to hit a pillow it's like it's like it's almost of course it's not gonna work although i'm also did you ever watch uh, analyze this mm-hmm. god one of the i love that movie and it's a funny moment where um robert de niro plays if you haven't seen the movie robert de niro plays a, a, a like a mob boss who has uh issues mental health issues and billy crystal becomes his uh, his therapist and he tries to help him through it no, there's this one scene where billy crystal's like you're angry take it out on the pillow hit the pillow so robert Niro's character pulls out a gun and shoots the pillow like four times and he's like yeah i do feel better doc <laughs> should we think like yeah you know if i got to shoot a pillow maybe i'd feel better but definitely hitting a pillow just doesn't do anything for me okay i was not thinking of analyzing this i think i was thinking of was it wag the dog that i was thinking of I don't know how I mix them up. I don't know. I don't know what Wag the Dog is. Wag the Dog it. is actually now we're going completely off topic, but it's actually a comedy. But it it's it's based on you know the political concept of instead of the you know the tail the, wag yeah the dog you, wagging you, you yeah. wag the dog. So it's, it's it's like how in politics you manipulate people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just actually like a really cynical political film. I think you would like it. <laughs> but, I, uh, I want to check it out now. When did it come out? How old is it? It's like late 90s. Uh, that's too old for you? Are you no, serious? No, no. I'm saying ooh isn't like that's good. Oh. No, that wasn't, I, that wasn't I, a bad. That was like a ooh. I like no, late 90s. I, I, I've no joke met people who are like anything pre-2000s is too old for them. And, oh. and it, I just found it so depressing <laughs> when they said that. I was like, 
<laughs> most so, good movies ever came out pre two thousand, but uh, yeah. So let me understand this, Mikhail. But you're telling me that in this movie there will be absolutely no CGI. I can't watch it. <laughs> no, no, it sounds good. I'm gonna check it out. Um, back on the topic of but Sorry, similarly, then that means I need to check out. Uh, Analyze this. this. And oh then there was God, a sequel a too, movie. right? Yeah, analyze, analyze that. Analyze this and analyze that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Analyze this. Again, I'm pretty sure it's from the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Hilarious movie. I absolutely loved it. I don't, I don't, I feel like, again, everything's so politicized today that it might not fly. I'm sure some of the humor in there is going to be considered like off-putting today. But uh, great movie. Absolutely. Just, just the whole, just the character that Robert De Niro plays is so well, like, and again, it's like, it's, it literally feels like a movie creator was just like, all right, Robert De Niro is a great mob boss. He's played a mob boss. He's played a mob goon. He's played everything that you could do in the in organized crime. Now let's make him a mob boss in a comedy. And I think it works so well. I think this is around the time where he'd basically done it all in terms of the in terms of the mobster film, yeah, gangster film, etc. Um, and so then there was this period of time where he just started to play comedic roles where he's mm-hmm. a straight man exactly that's exactly it and then somewhere along the way just i think almost went too far because let, let me think you so you've got analyze this analyze that you've got meet the fockers yeah, where meet the parents uh, meet the parents parents, parents fockers and then uh meet the children i don't know i, 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 yeah. I, I know there's a third one i don't know if i watched it um and I, i'm pretty sure he had some other roles where again like he was the mobster role but like he's a serious guy interestingly enough in analyze this i don't think he plays the straight man he plays the he plays the crazy person uh billy crystal plays the straight man in 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 analyze this well i mean i but but you're right he plays a serious role serious yeah yeah Yeah. and it's it's um like a serious role in a position where you shouldn't have a serious role basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah but i mean to be fair then you compare him to Pacino and then I don't know like I think Robert De Niro to be fair to him number one just up until the early 2000s he had greatest of all time kind of uh, a career in terms of an actor mm-hmm. and then yeah he's now done a lot more like silly roles and stuff like that which is still cool Al Pacino who also is a similar kind of trajectory of like an all-time great career mm-hmm. he's done some absolute garbage like um, he was in like that terrible Adam Sandler film Jack and Jill, where he played himself. <laughs> it's so shameless. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's let's get back yeah, that's, to that's, that's talking kind of happiness. Talk yeah. about happiness. Uh, yeah. But no. hey, here's an example of how you make yourself happy. Talk about stuff you like with your friends. Yeah. There's that's like the most asinine tip of the day. Hey, did you know that if you do things that make you happy, you'll be happier? <laughs> well. Uh, I think there's just maybe, again, like in terms of staving off unhappiness, I think there is something to be said of just put yourself in the company of others, like the, the you know, the, yeah. the, the people you trust, people that, like, don't just isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like that's more like, if, if you do a podcast, maybe on depression or, or stuff like that, that's something to talk about. In terms of happiness, I think we've actually... Uh, touched on most of it is are there any kind of uh some final points you want to hit on before yeah we... no there's uh there, i think so i was actually gonna ask, uh, one of the things that i wanted to bring up was the concept of like pleasure versus fulfillment versus sadness versus suffering and like the idea of a, a lack of negative emotion 
or the existence of positive emotion, right? Because you can have you can have negative emotion, or you can have a lack of negative emotion. We can also have positive emotion or a lack of positive emotion, right? You can feel neutral. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of laid out the, the, the concept. And, and when I think of happiness, again, like I said with that thing where it's like you're never going to ask somebody how you feel and they'll be like, I'm happy. No one's going to say that. Rarely. That's like a very rare time that people actually say stuff like that. And to me, it's, it's an understanding that like happiness is you, at least in, as I understand it, happiness is just a lack of unhappiness. I feel like if, if stuff's not bad and you're not complaining and you're just here, you're either neutral or feeling pretty decent, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for the average person, right? I know some people are dealing with constant, you know, issues. They're always, they're all, again, I think there's an attitude to it too, right? Can you focus on the good in your life? Even though, like, everyone can find something to complain about. Mm-hmm. Universal, it doesn't matter who you are. Listen, I'm, I guarantee you Jeff Bezos, who owns half the frickin' world, probably complains that, oh, my super yacht isn't clean enough, or whatever, right? Like, oh, my new model wife isn't this enough, or whatever. Right? You, you, anyone can complain, you know? It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's all, in, a, in a lot of ways, it's the great equalizer between people. Everybody, if they so choose, can be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I think what we kind of came up with, the idea that happiness is a lack of unhappiness is really something to, 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 to keep in mind here. I really do think that if you reduce how much you complain, you're guaranteed to feel better. And I think one last, so you did an interesting mind experience, mind experiment to start. There's a mind experiment that I first heard from Tony Robbins that I think is absolutely brilliant. And I think it really speaks to the idea of like, you know, we have more control over how we feel than we realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is, so this is a concept that you hear a lot in, NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. It's a form of like, it's a mix of like hypnosis and self-monitoring. And, and, and it was huge in the 70s and 80s as a psychological principle. Um, it's like one way that you can kind of like view, you view yourself as like a system and then you can kind of do things consciously to, to create states or emotional states in yourself. And uh, so this is kind of an NLP concept. Tony Robbins used it as well. But uh, for a second, consider the situation. Imagine that you're at a restaurant for dinner. Actually put yourself there. You're at a restaurant for dinner and your significant other or someone really important to you, like, you know, think your spouse, maybe your best friend, your brother, your sister, somebody who's really important to you is supposed to meet you there. And you've been there and they're like 10 minutes late. Mm-hmm. And at the 10 minute late mark, you're probably upset a little. You're probably a little bit like, ugh, I feel like this person is... Actually, it's best to do it with a spouse. Let's do it with a spouse because the spouse example is probably the best one. They're 10 minutes late and you start to wonder, are they standing me up? Are they not going to show? Do they not care about me anymore? And these, you can go through these thoughts and inevitably these thoughts, if you actually pursue these thoughts with any bit of sincerity in your in your thought process and in what could be, you'll notice that they're going to make you feel really bad. So the first 15 minutes, you might be sitting there thinking, oh man, does this person not care? They're disrespecting me. Should I, should I even be with this person? Like, what a disrespectful douchebag. Like, how dare they stand me up for this long? Like, this is this is really ridiculous. How did they always do this? They're like this. This is so bad. You can work yourself into this emotion where now you are upset at them. Mm-hmm. You are upset. Then the 20, 30 minute mark comes. Maybe you send a text, maybe whatever, you don't get a response back. And now you might be thinking, Oh my God, what if something's wrong with them? What if something terrible happened? What if 
they've been in a car crash and I don't know. Mm. What if, you know, what if something really bad, you know, yeah. you start thinking the worst. Now, if you follow that train of thought, you're very quickly going to go from being upset and angry to worried, scared, fearful, um, you know, feeling like, oh my God, I got to figure this out, right? Yeah. And then at the 35 minute mark, they come, they show up and they go, I'm so sorry. The subway was broken. I had no reception. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I was stuck in a subway and we were like between stations and, you know, and, and you, and like, again, like, let's just say you look at the news and you're like, oh yeah, there's a massive subway yeah, closure yeah. here. You know, they're being honest. You know, it's the real thing. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, oh, okay. But ironically, none of the stuff that happened in your head happened in real life. Yeah. None of that. Everything that, everything that we just talked about in that situation would have been a figment of your imagination. We've all had this. We have a, you get scared, oh my God, is somebody okay? And then you find out, yeah, they just didn't get a chance to get back. You're like, oh, phew. But what did you do in those moments? In those moments, you created worry. You created fear. You created, you know, resentment, a, a resentment yeah. at your partner. You, you started to question your relationship, all these things, right? And, you know, people, I think it's a lot easier to play this uh, mental experiment in the negative because I think all, people are natural worriers. We know what it's like to worry about something. We know what it's like to expect the worst. We know what it's like to feel the worst. And interestingly enough, when we worry, we, and this is kind of an NLP concept too, when we worry, we're a lot more willing to give those worries deeper, um, deeper mental expression internally in the sense that we'll see the worry, we'll hear the worry, we'll feel the worry. We'll, we'll, you know, your thoughts about the worry will be a lot more in depth Mm -hmm. than Perhaps if I said, now let's do this concept, now let's do this mind experiment in reverse. Let's imagine that you just got a nice sum of money. Or let's imagine that you're on a beach in your favorite place. That whole concept of go to your happy place. Yeah. You know, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a funny thing. It's like, you know, I think of Happy Gilmore when he's like, go to your happy place, go Mm -hmm. to your happy place to deal with his rage. But there is something to be said about being willing and able to do these little, like, do these little, uh, um, almost like thought experiments with yourself. Go to a place where you're happy. Imagine that you're there. But don't just think about it like, oh, that would be nice. Rather, do the same thing you did with the worry. When you were worried that you, like, when you, I don't know if it's, if you ever had this, when I've been in a relationship and I was worried that my significant other was, you know, doing something shady or, or something disrespectful, I would go through my head of like how I'm going to talk to them Oh, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. I'm gonna say this and this. And these are things yeah. I'm gonna bring up. Yeah. And these, and you get, you feel it. You, you, you know, you, you're, you get angry. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you did the same thing but with a happy place? Yeah. Think of what it was like last time you were at a beach resort. For me, it's like, oh man, remember last time I was in the mountains in Thailand? I was on my moped. I was riding around. I was doing the like and get into it and think about it and get into it. And again, what you will find is that this experiment works in reverse. It's a lot easier. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot easier. We as people are worriers. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to think about the negative. And a lot of people will think that this is like, you know, daydreaming is like a negative thing. But if you can daydream a positive experience and just enjoy it for a little bit, that will up your mood. You mm-hmm. will, in that time at least, experience something great. Now, of course, for some people, they get back to reality and they're like, oh, now I'm even feeling even worse. And if that's the case, then maybe don't do this. But understand that when you leave that place, you can bring some of that happiness with you in the sense that, you know, if you're feeling good there and you just made that out of your brain, out of your mind, you can be feeling, you know, like it, yeah. the point of it is to show you that, you know, okay, in some ways you have that happy switch inside. That exactly. thing about you could be happy anytime. 
there is some truth to that. Now, obviously, if you're going through terrible things, this might not work. But if you're if your life isn't in in you know dire straits, or you're not going through tragedy, and you're kind of just going through the the basic bullshit that we all have to deal with, with like you know commuting and working and you know doing the the things we have to do, there's room there to feel great while you do it. But most of us don't do it. Yeah, I think any piece of advice that we've given here, um, you have to calibrate depending on your situation and you know the your own idiosyncrasies and how you respond to certain things. Use these insofar as they're useful and discard the you know parts yeah. that aren't. And and that's true of any piece of advice. You have to be able to be a bit modular with it and 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 find how it fits. Uh, how it's it can be a piece of your life that's actually useful and um see i prefer to find somebody who i really like and just give over all my thinking to them i find it a lot more helpful mm. just everything that they say just go with that don't think and kind of again we will get to that cult episode and start our cult. it'll be uh, starting our <laughs> cult at the end of it but um it'll probably behind be behind a paywall because we want the really really dedicated people who will give up everything to, to follow <laughs> Only the most devout. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I, th I think we've really hit upon most of the things you wanted to. Um, any any last parting thoughts here? or? Um... Uh, man, I just think this is a podcast we could go on for, for hours when it comes to really diving deep on this stuff. But I think, uh, I think we nailed some of the biggest things. And uh, again, I think, you know... Just the final word is we have a lot of control over how we perceive our lives. We don't, we don't have a lot of control over what happens in our lives often. Stuff just happens. It's out of our control every dang day. But we have, like you said, that space between the stuff coming in, like um, the space between the circumstances and life and your reaction to it are still ours. We all have that. And so... You know, there's there's room to create more happiness for all of us. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, doing the difficult work of actually creating it. Well, yeah, exactly. We're I think often left feeling frustration or a sense of powerlessness over the things that are out of our hands. But the thing that's in your hands is the totality of your experience because that's everything that you experience outside is through the lens of your mind, right? Through the lens of lens of consciousness. And that you actually have total control over. Um, you can you can modulate your experience so drastically in a positive direction if 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 need be. So um, you know you should take this actually if anything as a deeply empowering message. Again, it's 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 a process. You might have to do meditation. You might have to do all these sort of different thought experiments and mental tricks and stuff. But really. Uh, that positive experience that you're chasing might not be through, you know, hitting the jackpot at the casino. It might just be, you know, help helping, you know, get out of your own way and, 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 and finding happiness in your own mind. So yeah, yeah, I, I think there's, there, there's something very empowering about we that. We definitely need a part two to this one. This one, this one I have a lot more to say on. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a part two. Okay. <laughs> no, sounds, sounds, sounds cool. good. So uh, let's close it up. So guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Life's Difficult. If you enjoyed this episode or really any episode, we'd appreciate it if you give us a positive rating, uh, like and share it with all your friends. And as always, take care. We'll see you next week for another episode of Life's Difficult Podcast.